Every day, hundreds of people die when they accidentally overdose on opiate drugs like heroin or morphine. These agents depress breathing, causing respiratory failure. But if an opioid antidote is administered sufficiently quickly, then the situation can be reversed. And a team at the University of Washington have developed a system that turns a mobile phone into a sonar device that can monitor a person's breathing and then sound the alarm if something goes wrong. To shed a little light on how it works, Jacob Sunshine. The problem we're trying to solve is help people who are experiencing a dangerous opioid overdose. When people have an overdose, they stop breathing. And we know what these overdoses look like. We know how to treat them. Where people get in trouble is when you can't connect the two. And that's the problem we're trying to solve with this technology. And how big is the problem? Massive. Over 100 people die each day in the United States from opioid overdose. It's a leading cause of death in young people. The scope of the epidemic is really difficult to describe. And what approach have you taken to try and surmount this? So we're trying to use something that people already have, and that is a smartphone. And using the hardware that's inside of it to measure breathing for people who are at risk for overdose. So the smartphone is monitoring the carrier's breathing and there is some kind of pattern or change in their breathing. It can detect soon enough, can it, that intervention is needed? Yeah, that is the idea and the goal. People get into trouble when they have respiratory failure. And so this is something that can identify respiratory failure as well as some of its precursors. And what the phone can then be instructed to call for help? That is the vision of it. What we report in the paper is first the identification of these dangerous breathing patterns. And then the next step is using the phone to summon help immediately. Because as you mentioned, it's a really time-sensitive problem. Yes. How long do you have between detecting that someone's breathing is going off and someone needing to be there with the antidote to their opiate? We're talking minutes, five to ten minutes. A lot longer than that for someone who stopped breathing, then you're getting into really, really serious brain injuries. Sounds like a tall order to get there that quickly. Do you think actually this therefore has legs? We thought that we needed to give context to that exact question. And we put a map of Seattle and King County. And we looked at how quickly emergency medical services or 911 can respond to really, really urgent calls. And On that map, we overlaid where all the fatal overdoses had occurred. And what we found was that EMS is pretty quick, and they're able to to get to people pretty rapidly. It was on the order of within that five to ten minute window when people would need help. So it is achievable. How does your device work, though? How is it doing that monitoring of the, the phone carrier's respiratory function? We take advantage of a principle similar to bats, kind of like echolocation. The phone is emitting high-frequency tones. Humans can't hear it, but your phone can generate those sounds and it can also receive them. So those tones go out from the phone, they reflect off of an object, and we've designed it so that it captures the sound waves that correspond to the periodic chest motion that happens with breathing. And that's how we're able to extract the respiratory rate as well as the presence or absence of apnea, which is cessation of breathing. So it's like pocket sonar, isn't it? Your phone is emitting sounds which are really high frequency. We can't hear them. They're bouncing off of everything, including yourself. 
your phone's eavesdropping on its own emissions and it can therefore work out how the objects in the room around it are moving, including you, and therefore it can interpret those movements as, as meaningful respiratory movements. That's exactly right. And what's cool is that even if you're talking or something like that, it can filter all of that out. It doesn't care about those noises. It just cares about those high-frequency tones that return and that are corresponding to your breathing. And have you tried this on people having real overdose or real anaesthetic crises, for example? As you can imagine, measuring respiratory failure is pretty dangerous. We needed to get good data to train the algorithm, but we also needed to do it in a safe way way. To do that, we went to Vancouver, British Columbia, where they have a supervised injection facility. And this is a facility where people who struggle with opioid addiction inject drugs in a monitored environment. And so we were able to go to this safe environment and capture real-world data, people's breathing and their affected breathing after they had taken opioids. The other place we went uh, is a place that I work as a clinician, which is the operating room. A big driver of this crisis is a drug called fentanyl, a really potent opioid that is really strong and causes people to have depressed breathing. So it's a drug that we safely use all the time with patients in the operating room. So we took advantage of this other safe environment to measure people's changes in breathing when they were scheduled for their routine surgeries. And so that also was a unique environment where we could collect this really important training data. So does it work then, having, having used those monitorings of how people's re- respirations change when they are being opioid intoxicated, if you like, does it work? So if you then unleash it on people who really are overdosing, can it detect them? Yeah, it's pretty accurate with identifying these uh, opioid overdose precursors um, as well as actual opioid overdose events. We did have a couple of those in the supervised injection facility, and the system was accurate at measuring them. Very exciting indeed. And of course, that same technology could be used to monitor breathing in a range of other settings as well. That was Jacob Sunshine describing the work that he's just published in the journal Science Translational Medicine.